people in my life that know me really well will joke and say, I swear your life is like a movie. It's okay to fall down. It's okay to have moments of doubt, but there's a difference between, you know, falling down and letting it happen to you versus, you know, saying, hey, no, I, I don't want to be a victim. I want to actually do something about this. You're listening to Curious Minds, a podcast aimed at the next generation of aspiring young entrepreneurs, innovators, and change makers. We release new episodes every month discussing career insights, entrepreneurship, and the most exciting emerging technologies today. Thanks for listening to the Curious Minds podcast. As always, we're your co-hosts, Beatrice and Jula. Today, we're interviewing the one and only Lin Chen. Lynn has certainly had an unconventional path to her success. At the age of just 23, she had already secured over $1 million in venture funding from prominent figures in Silicon Valley, including Y Combinator. She was also recognized as a Peter Thiel Fellow and stood out as the youngest nominee in the 2021 Forbes 30 Under 30 category for Enterprise Technology. Additionally, she's the co-founder and chief operating officer at webapp.io a Y Combinator-backed, fast and easy-to-use web application testing platform. Awesome. Now let's get on with the interview. First of all, did you always know you'd grow up to become a founder or did it just click one day without warning? Thanks, Trayla, for the question. I actually didn't know what a founder was for a really long time. Uh, It was actually until high school that I thought, okay, I'm going to be maybe a nurse. That was the first thing I thought of. And then I got a little bit more specific, maybe a midwife. Uh, And the only reason I thought I wanted to be a midwife was because uh, I was just really interested in helping people. And I felt like nurses and still today, of course, nurses are so helpful to the world and are so wonderful. Uh, And then I really liked the feminist literature on why midwifery exists. And so I thought, okay, this is a cool, interesting, like combination of the things I like. And then I actually went ahead and secured like a position at a midwifery clinic in high school. I networked by (laughs) making friends with people in politics who used to be nurses. And that was my end. So I would uh, canvas with them and help them with their elections. And then they would help me with finding a position as such. Uh, And I wish I had known a little bit earlier, but I didn't realize what entrepreneurship was for a while, which is funny because my family has a history of entrepreneurship. I think I, I always thought entrepreneurship was just like high growth. You have to build something completely new, that sort of thing. Uh, and I would say in some people's definitions, that's what entrepreneurship or startup is, right? It, it is a period of high growth. But entrepreneurship itself in my family, um, it's started much much earlier with my grandparents when they were farmers they would when they were off seasons they would also have to figure out okay what are some other streams of income we can make and so they built a lot of infrastructure for their community uh and i didn't realize that until looking back when i became an entrepreneur that that's actually what they were doing and then my parents when they first came to canada they had you know master's degrees but they weren't able to find a job at all and so that's an, another kind of entrepreneurship is like surviving, right? Just figuring out, okay, I've got no options here. My English is not good. How am I going to survive and take care of this five-year-old coming to Canada? So that's just another kind of entrepreneurship. And so seeing that growing up, you would think, okay, I don't know if I want to be a small business owner. 
because it, it's just so much hardship sometimes in the very beginning. And so the first time I actually realized, oh my gosh, this is a viable path for me uh, was when I was around 16 and I met this wonderful guy and mentor called Lucas Chang. Uh, he was doing an entrepreneurship boot camp, and I was just there to observe. I was just curious. And I ended up walking away with the company and a company idea. So I'm really glad that I did go and figure out what I wanted to do. Well, first of all, I, I definitely see your struggle there. Like, you know, your parents came to, to Canada with not much and this this confused five-year-old. Um, but they did have like that, that heritage of, you know, building things from the ground up. And, you know, that entrepreneurship was really visible there in their blood. So that's really interesting. Lynn, is there a specific mindset or framework that you like to lean on when you're building something from the ground up? Yeah, I would say that there are a couple ideas, but the one I like the most is the understanding of two things. One, the T-shaped person. So are you ready to actually take on this role? And then the other on the business standpoint is uh, actually just reading Zero to One. If you've ever heard of that book, it's by Peter Thiel. If you start a company, it only happens once in history, right? However, however, the history also does repeat itself. So if you're able to identify patterns and be a little bit more intuitive, being intuitive is really just experience, right? Plus data. So if you don't have the experience yet, you need to rely a little heavier on data, I saw this interview with Jeff Bezos when someone was asking him at the time he was still a little bit um, like earlier in, in, in uh, Amazon, but they were, I think like five, six years in, it was already a pretty successful, but they were still not turning a profit. And someone asked like, why did you start Amazon? Are you really passionate about books? Something along the lines of that. And he answered, no, I love data. Right. And you realize, oh, wow, this is a data-driven company. I know the company Revolve is also by two people who don't care about clothes. It's about the data. They saw the trend. They saw the opportunity and they went for it. Uh, I would say like in terms of passion and in terms of whether or not you're the right person to start this company, not only do you have to be a T-shaped person, that's the right T-shape for this company. But I would say that it's also important that you know what hard looks like, you know what failure looks like, you know what success looks like to you, and that you're really intentional about that. So it does help that you like what you're doing, that you're excited about the customers you're serving, right? You don't need to be, but it helps during those tough times, especially in the beginning when you're working long hours, you're figuring things out, everything feels a lot harder than it does. I remember recently a woman who raised hundreds of millions in uh, venture debt for her uh, companies in real estate. Uh, her, her venture in real estate recently told me, I can't believe raising venture is so hard for a startup when I myself, you know, I've raised hundreds of millions and still like raising even $10,000 feels tough in this new environment. So she, even though she was the perfect T-shaped person potentially for her old company, for her new company, the skill set that she needs as a T-shaped person is completely different. So, you know, having to work on the skills that she needs to build on, like what kind of technology she's using. She's using different tools. She's talking to different kinds of people, right? And you need to use different language, strategies, things like that. So uh, I, I would say that those two are some pretty good frameworks to start. And 
um, I would say go look up T-shaped person, go look up zero to one. Uh, and that's a great starting point. Yeah, totally. Entrepreneurs have to have like a really strong drive since there are a lot of ups and downs throughout the journey. And it's definitely important to build skills and da- adapt to different environments or situations. And now switching gears a little from the company perspective, what is the first thing you consider before starting a new company? That's a good question. I do like that. I do think that entrepreneurship seems a lot more attractive than it is sometimes because of the upside, right? And so I would say ignore the YouTube gurus for a second. Ignore even just the fancy books about it by people who have succeeded already. And just look within yourself and be honest with yourself. What is your intention for this? Are you mainly looking to learn? Are you using it as an opportunity to network? Are you doing it for your ego? Do you have a chip on your shoulder? Right? Uh, do you want to make money? If so, how much? Right? And it could be that it's all of the above. Right? You want to do all those things. Uh, however, I think with different companies, you'll achieve different results uh, with that. So again, back to what I mentioned before, what does success look like? And are you okay about the downside to what does failure look like? Can you live with those things? And what would you regret? Like if you didn't actually end up doing this, would you feel regret later? Uh, and how do you mitigate that regret? And then I would say, look at what your co-founder's attention is. A lot of companies require more than one person to go about it because one, it's just nice to have someone along uh, the ride who is just as invested as you. Like you guys are co-founders of the Curious uh, Minds podcast, right? Which is awesome. Uh, So some level of accountability, inspiration. I think it's important that you guys align on that. Yeah. And I can definitely see that being really useful to me and Jula sometimes because sometimes we'll be like, hey, like, oh, got to write the description for this episode. Can you get on that? And then it's like, yeah, sure. And it's like, we work together and there's this almost perfect harmony there. Was there ever a piece of advice that somebody gave you one day um, that just stuck, you know, something that you just remembered every time an obstacle came up? Oh, I love that. I actually have three pieces of advice that I wanted to share. I mentioned Lucas Chang before, one of my first mentors in the startup space. Uh, And the first thing he said to me when I was 16 was, you're not just a kid. And I really like that. And I think it really provides some essence to you guys as, you know, TKS alums, but also uh, young people listening to this or people who are parents who are um, thinking about, oh, what's next for my kid, right? You're not just a kid, I think is great advice for that, that we can do anything uh, and that being optimistic, being young is a good thing. It's an advantage. You have a chance to learn and make mistakes. So what's the harm in doing so, right? The upside is there. There is a lot of upside to starting young. And I would say the second piece of advice um, is by this woman called Boyana Nedek. I saw her speak once at a conference and she said, if you're the smartest person in the room, find a bigger room. And I love that so much because it really just emphasizes on the growth mindset. And again, I was like super young when I heard this and I was like, oh, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to think about it. And that's why you see me going into things like the Teal Fellowship, right? Going to uh, so many different things, um, going to YC, uh, all of those things, Forbes, right? You don't get there without going to bigger and bigger rooms where it's a little bit painful sometimes because you aren't the smartest person there. And that's okay. You're there to learn. 
Um, and having that mindset not only like helps you have that growth mindset and really actively pursue it, it humbles you, right? It gives you confidence because you're like, oh my God, hey, wait a minute. I'm in the same room as so many smart people, right? That's that's incredible. It doesn't matter if I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm smart, right? And so I definitely think it gives you that added confidence. And that's really, really important in any career that you decide to pursue. It's really important to do so. And then the third piece of advice is just, it's not really a quote, it's more general. It was given to me by two different people. One is Willem Yu, who uh, is one of my mentors as well. When I was in university, um, he's a venture capitalist uh, from Silicon Valley. And another person is Sarah Nam, YC founder, fellow female founder. And she uh, worked under Marissa Mayer when they were both at Google. And they both told me the same thing about what it takes to succeed, in particular as a woman in tech. That's a really important thing. And maybe I'll even expand it to being a woman in STEM. So here's the advice. It's to make sure you are friends with other women, other women who are more experienced than you, but also who are in the same place as you so that you can help each other out. And I noticed that to be really important because I found that um, there aren't many women in tech and that's the truth, right? And so there seems to be this scarcity mindset sometimes of, okay, I work so hard to get here. Right. Even if someone's not consciously thinking about this, subconsciously, it might be, okay, I'm a woman in tech. There's not many of us. I'm going to hoard these resources and I'm not going to share this with others. I'm going to wait until I'm super successful to share it with others. And so I find that that's such a huge mistake. Actually sharing resources the minute you get them is a good thing. Sometimes being selfish is a good thing. But in this case, actually meeting people who know the ins and outs and strategies of how to get there uh, in their unique position is really, really important. So those are the three pieces of advice I would. I totally agree. It's so important to surround yourself with people with like the same drive as you, who can support you, give you resources and give advice. And just echoing back to the first advice you gave, age definitely does not define your skills and potential. And I realized that people are actually a lot willing to help you when you're young you know when we reach out to a lot of people on linkedin the amount of people who reply actually really surprised me so that's definitely an upside of starting early on and when you were building webapp.io at y combinator did you notice any differences in the environment there versus in the real world oh yeah um i actually have a quote for you from paul graham that i thought i'd share let me see if i can pull that up so Paul Graham, as you guys might have heard, is the co-founder of Y Combinator along with his wife. And uh, here's a quote from him that he put on his blog, which is, ambitious people are rare. So if everyone is mixed together randomly, as they tend to be early in people's lives, then the ambitious people won't have many ambitious peers. But when you take people like this and put them together with other ambitious people, they bloom like dying plants given water. Yeah, I guess just stop to think about that. Like they bloom like dying plants given water. And it's so true. I find that the same story always goes, whether it's Y Combinator or another fellowship or another community. Um, it's so important to find people that you can relate to. And, you know, there, there are moments when things get hard, as I mentioned, and when you need help and or just for for company, for people who are going along on the ride with you. And so I think, especially with entrepreneurship, where you're starting 
from zero, right? Starting from zero with one other person, two other people is so important to be around positive energy, around ambitious energy, and to use the Socratic method as much as you can, right? Optimize and leverage the people around you who have different experiences, who um, are building different things, and perhaps that will lead to so many inspirations. And I always like to think about um, some of the most peculiar inventions, like the sticky notes, were not actually meant to be existing in the world, right? So I think it's really important to have different experiences and to draw them from other people. And don't just ask about like, oh, you know, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? Very close-minded questions or close-ended questions. Instead, thinking about even like, where did you travel? Like, how how do you travel? Like, what are your thoughts on this particular topic, this article, right? And that gives you a lot more insight that might be a little bit deeper than what's in your own head. So yes, I definitely noticed the ambitious energy. And that is like a bubble of its own and a very welcome bubble, if you will, because it made me feel very welcome for the first time in, in certain ways. And uh, I would say the second thing is uh, actually a really important aspect, which is there are lots of people who are really smart with a lot of credentials, like going to Harvard, any other Ivy League schools, they've raised hundreds of million dollars before, but people have to learn the things again, right? So it doesn't matter if this is their second venture or fifth venture, or they're a billionaire, they've are still thinking about similar problems if they're in the same space or if they're in the same stage as you. And I found that really refreshing because when you look on LinkedIn or you read a book, someone's always, it feels like someone's always saying, oh, I, I know so much more than you. I, I I have 100 years of experience, right? It feels like that sometimes, but that's not the truth. Sometimes um, people want to learn about SEO and that was one thing I taught at YC, right? It's like 40 people on a call with so many credentials who are like, oh, Lynn, please help me. I, I don't know anything about this topic. And they went to get an MBA or something like that, right? So I think that's um, definitely a really wonderful perspective to have as well, that we're all human, that people who get into YC are ordinary and extraordinary people at once. And so it can definitely be. I definitely love how inviting that seems and how everybody's seeing other people not really as a threat, but as like somebody that can help them build their skill set in a different domain. That's really inspiring. For people who have all these startup ideas in their head, but they they don't know how to bring them to life, what pieces of advice would you offer to those people? Yeah, I would say, so I like exercise. I power lifted for a really long time. Um, I love bodybuilding. I love trying new sports. Uh, and right now I'm actually doing 75 hard uh, with a couple of folks and it's just so much fun. Um, but I would say for people with ideas in their heads, they need to think about starting a company like it's exercise, right? Yeah, it's tough to get started and you can spend all your time fantasizing or reading articles about how Pilates is going to change your body or powerlifting is going to change your body or it's something else swimming is going to change your body and all that time you're spending fantasizing you're not doing anything about it right you're just kind of reading it and then sticking with it for a second and then thinking oh you know maybe one day maybe someday right and that just becomes just a dream just a fantasy but something that I think would be motivating for these people is to know this, that there is someone out there who is not as smart as you, not as attractive, 
or has as much experience, whatever metrics it may be in that field, who's literally living the life you're dreaming of because it's not a dream for them. It's action, right? So take that as you will and think, well, okay, well, maybe I should go actually do that. And if I fail, right, it's not so bad. It's just a rep in. It's just a step towards that direction. Uh, And if you never make that step, then you'll never actually start. So that would be my piece of advice for people who are struggling with figuring out their ideas. That's a great way to put it. And like actually doing it and that bias towards action is definitely the most helpful thing to actually building a habit as well in general. And do you have any recommendations for how to go about finding your co-founder and how to tell who's the right fit? Wow, I love that question. Um, The analogy I would use is that you are dating for a marriage or finding in in some ways uh, your soulmate of some sort or your best friend. Um, Actually, I would go back and just say dating for marriage because that feels the most committal, right? Um, And it's a tough decision because if you look at that graph, if you search up like time spent with yourself versus with your career, with your spouse, things like that. Time spent with your spouse is a lot. And so think about it that way. You you might be spending, if you're lucky, like five, 10, 15 years with somebody um, working on a company. So thinking about it in that perspective, first, you need to know what you personally want and who you are, right? So I know uh, First Round Capital actually has a great set of questions. If you look up First Round Capital, questions to ask a co-founder, that's a great place to start with your reflection. But even without a template like that, you can think, okay, again, like what, intentionally, what do I want out of the startup? Why am I curious about it? What am I really looking for? And how does it fit in the grand scheme of my life, my skill sets, my weaknesses, my strengths, and what would actually co- complement these skills? So not only like weaknesses that I can complement myself with, but what do I have to offer, right? Another step further uh, this could be more of a luxury answer, but I think it's still important. It's like, what do you just not like to do? And maybe it's accounting, maybe it's bookkeeping, maybe it's something like that. And you're like, okay, can I use the tool for it? Can I get my co-founder to do it? Or can I hire someone to do that? And in the beginning, it's likely that you will hire some folks to do that or with your co-founder. So that's a luxury question to ask as a as the third step. I took my uh, experience um, meeting my co-founder, Colin, uh, very deliberately. I was very serious from day one. I knew what I wanted. I asked him out for coffee. I actually even met his parents. I spoke to his like uh, girlfriend, right? Like we, I asked all these personal questions. I asked how much money do you have, right? Like all these questions I know feel like so personal, but a startup is personal. And guess what? The biggest source of burnout and failure for startups, 90% of the time, you run out of time, you run out of money. And so in a sense, you run out of money or the founders personally burn out, right? And we see that over and over again. And so how do you avoid that? By talking about it, by making sure that from the get-go, you actually know uh, what you're getting yourself into. Um, So I would say in business and life, make sure that you do your due diligence. That's a really great piece of advice. And I can definitely see that coming in handy because like if you're building a startup, you don't want to just wake up one day and be like, you know, who's who's the stranger and why are they helping me run my business? Like that's it's not the best situation to find yourself in. 
Now, since we're on the topic of people, what can you tell us about making valuable and lasting connections in the startup world? I think the fact that you said in this question, uh, making valuable and lasting connections uh, is a really good difference versus just connections, right? Because if we're giving advice for just connections, easy peasy is a numbers game, right? But if you want genuine uh, experiences, you realize that, hey, wait a minute, I'm speaking to humans, right? I'm speaking to people who will have different roles and different uh, parts of their career emerge that, that will have family experiences, that will have uh, friendships, that will have hard times, that will have failures, that will have good times. Um, and so I would say like, that is something to keep in mind that people are human, especially entrepreneurs with different ventures. They're not their venture, right? That might be a very core part of their identity at this point in time, but what if it fails, right? What, what, what then? Are you still friends with them? Um, and I found some of my most beautiful and wonderful connections were with people who were having some hard times. Uh, through YC, for example, I saw that there's some people with family stuff or their baby had COVID or, you know, they their, their startup failed or things like that. And, you know, they needed some uh, consulting and, um, you know, they ended up on the other side starting a killer company or working as the VP of this wonderful company. And those connections are still really wonderful because not only did you make a lasting friend, but you made a lasting connection. So if you ever need help, like they might be more willing to help you as well. So uh, I would say some core fundamentals of like, how to go about these relationships other than, you know, being genuine is also having like genuine curiosity for what they're doing, who they are. Um, gratitude as well, I think really goes a long way. I started expressing gratitude ever since I was younger. And I found that that not only helps with likability, but it's genuine, right? You, you feel happy that someone spent time with you, that someone spent energy on you, that someone believed in you. And yeah, maybe a VC didn't invest in you, but they spend some time with you and they, you know, actually felt like there could be something and you never know that could still be a connection in the future. So why close doors because someone didn't give you exactly what you wanted, right? It's important to also just say, hey, just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to spend spend some time with us to, uh, to, to, to learn some stuff from you, right? Everybody, no matter if you're a billionaire or not, right? We have a limited amount of time right? So that's still something that we haven't solved as a mystery. And so every second that someone spends time with you is is meaningful. And so thinking about it that way, gratitude is really important. Uh, and so I guess if I had to summarize, it would be uh, gratitude, genuine curiosity, and being there for people regardless of where they end up. Yeah, for sure. And lasting connections definitely take some time, but it's just important to be super genuine. Now, on the topic of getting started, what was a really nerve-wracking moment for you in your life that you feel like really altered the trajectory of where you were headed? I actually had to take a moment to think about it because I would say there's been a lot of big events in my life and people in my life that know me really well will joke and say, I swear your life is like a movie, uh, sometimes in a good way, sometimes not in a good way. <laughs> and so um, I would say the, the the one thing that did affect me was the topic of just um, sexual harassment. Uh, and I was thinking about whether or not I should bring this up, but I felt like it was meaningful to share. The first time I was sexually harassed was when I was nine. And I remember I didn't really quite understand what it was, but I, I knew that it wasn't good. It was outside of a pizza shop. 
uh, just painting the picture, I was waiting for my dad to finish installing some satellites. It was like 1am and uh, a customer coming out of the pizza shop was really drunk and said a lot of weird things to me. And I was only nine, right? But I remember it, it did have a lasting impression on me. And the second time that happened, and, and actually the first time it happened, uh, again, was in the startup world. And I was around 18, 19. And when it happened to me, I was really scared because it was gradual. It was not all of a sudden. It was someone that I knew in the startup world uh, and I trusted them, right? And so you can imagine it really altered my confidence. I doubted myself. I wondered if I was cut out for startup world. Uh, I didn't know who to ask or who to turn to. And that was really nerve wracking. Uh, And the reason why I share this is because every time I've shared it, not only does it help me with just getting over something like this, it's something I've gotten over. But also every time I've shared this, someone has stepped forward and said, hey, this happened to me. And I'd really like to talk about it or they'll say, say it to somebody else. So I think that's why it's important to share, but I could have given up, right? I could have said, Hey, this is not for me. I think I'm going to leave. Um, But instead what I decided to do was I decided to take a pause. I decided to go take some time to recollect myself and still, still learn, still grow. And then I was like, I will show you what I can do. Right. And come back with that renewed confidence. And so, yeah, it's it's okay to fall down. It's okay to have moments of doubt. But there's a difference between, you know, falling down and letting it happen to you versus, you know, saying, hey, no, I, I don't want to be a victim. I want to actually do something about this. And I think that moment for me was actually one of the best chips on the shoulder, plus the other things that were had gone going on with my life, my childhood, things like that. I grew up low income. All of those things accumulated into this giant chip on my shoulder, guys, like two giant chips on my shoulder. And when things got tough, I was like, nope, I've, I've gone through worse. You can't stop me, right? I, I know this is just a test and I'm going to pass, right? So so I think though that's why I wanted to share it. It's just like, wow, like the amount of growth I had right after that, boom. It wasn't that I learned a lot all of a sudden it was that i actually started to believe in my own words i started to believe in myself and i found that confidence that i never had had before well first of all i i'm really sorry that that happened to you but i i absolutely adore your energy and just how you dealt with that that was a really great display of anti-fragility i think you know you get knocked down over and over again but if you just keep on going up and you you persevere you keep going like eventually something really amazing is going to happen. Thank you. If you had a time machine and you could go back in time and tap past Lynn on the shoulder and say something really meaningful to her, what do you think it would be and why? Oh, man. I think I would just say something really simple and say, hey, chin up, you're going to be a star. And that's it. Leave it at that. Not, oh my gosh, you need to start this startup idea because AI is coming. Not, not, not anything like that. I think I actually do enjoy the process of discovering and learning about myself and the world. Uh, and I don't want to take that away from little Lynn. So I think just giving her a little boost and saying, yeah, you're going to be okay. Things suck right now, but you're going to be okay. Yeah, that confidence can be super important. And now what advice would you give to other aspiring entrepreneurs looking to start their own companies? I would say the first and most important thing is being really good at learning and understanding what to learn. 
right? Because that's the job where you can never stop learning for sure, right? Maybe you get thrown into a different role where you're told what to learn, right? But this one, you have to tell yourself what to learn. And I think that self-motivation, that self-direction is really hard for a lot of people because it is a foreign skill. So unless you've been doing that for a long time, then it's tough. You need to get the reps in, right? Like I said about exercise, you need to get the reps in. The second thing that I think is an underestimated skill is learning about marketing. I say this with, uh, you know, also a, a, a... uh, interest in technical backgrounds. And I feel like a technical background is really important. And that's the advice you get a lot. But I would say that, um, especially now when tech is so prevalent, and you can do so much with different things, knowing how to share a message with somebody, uh, and make something interesting, exciting, is a, a really core skill. There's this notion that, okay, I'm a programmer, I can build something, and then people will come. And sometimes that's true. Very rarely that's true, actually. But you think about it, if they come because you've built it, it's probably because you've already built a brand around it, right? It's probably because they know you. It's probably because you're Elon Musk, right? Uh, And so even then, uh, even if you're Elon Musk, you need to know how to uh, figure out what to do with x.com and what exactly you're trying to do with that, right? So uh, I do think that's a key skill. And then the third is how to talk to people, right? How to sell yourself, how to uh, sell the things that you're working on and how to switch up based on who you're talking to and understanding like, how do you keep people's interest and how do you keep things interesting? So I would say those are some three three top skills. Definitely. And I, I love the one about building human connection. I think a lot of people overlook that one, to be honest, but it is really, really important. Um, and for a final question, what do you think are three main takeaways that you want our listeners to walk away with today? Okay, I think the first one is definitely that there's someone less smart and potentially less capable than you who's killing it. And to let that sink in and use that as a form of self-motivation. It also is just a hopeful attitude, right? Okay, I don't know everything yet, but someone knows less than me who's doing something. So maybe I should do something about about it, right? Don't let my dreams just be dreams. The second is um, that always be learning, right? Always be learning and know what to learn is important. And the third, I'll let you guys choose. What did you find valuable out of this conversation? I think for me, it would be, you know, that anti-fragility that really stuck with me, just that motivation. I, I felt that in my heart and soul, if we're being honest you know, bad things are going to happen. I think people just need to accept that, you know, it's, it's a fact of life. You can't really outrun that, but what you can do is you can train, you can work harder and you can bounce back from it and be better than you were before and harness that, you know, use it as motivation. For me, it would probably be the bias towards action because if you don't start doing it, you're never going to be able to do it. And the worst thing that can happen is to fail. Like it's okay to fail and it's going to be fine. You can just learn from it. I think it's really important to just embrace that failure. Love that. Thanks for sharing. All right. Well, Lynn, it was great having you on the Curious Minds podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys as well.